that allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Oh! It's all lights! This is how liberty dies. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. I'm Chrissy Ravensburger. And I'm Dave Sellers. And look at this. We have a full crew tonight. (laughs) Whole family's here. The whole family's here. That's right. That's right. Had to break out extra chairs at the diner tonight. It's great. <laughs> but Scott, that was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, you like that? No, it's that a, it, but it's it's so good when you have everyone here. It it, it adds a different, and, and it's great when we only have part part of the career that that gives it a different flavor too. But it's always nice to have everyone here, and I I enjoy these diner episodes. We are able to get everyone in when work schedules align, the stars align, and um, yeah. But well, let's find out a little bit. Uh, how's everyone doing? How, how's everyone's summer been? Mm. Hot, good. Yeah, it's hot. That, that definitely hot. <laughs> Dave, how's the new building? How uh, is the school going to be ready when I get there? Uh, what's today? <laughs> July fifteenth. You guys yeah. are moving buildings. No, we've been doing a. Uh, a three, three and a half year phased rebuild on site construction project. Wow. Uh, yeah, it has been the cause of many an additional beverage in the evenings for me. <laughs> wow. What kind of beverage is that be? What's great is I set my ringtone to be the fire alarm sound, and every time I play it, Dave breaks out in a cold sweat. No. I'm just oh, we, we had. For on a normal day before I start, we started a different procedure here. We'd have anywhere from one to, I think we had about four or five one day. It was the most during right. a school day. Right. Yeah, You aren't adding the ones that happened before everyone got there or left. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, one. Some days there'd be like seven or eight fire alarms that would go off because of the dust in the air, primarily. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful times. No, it's coming along really well, Scott. You guys will be uh, good. I'm, I'm guaranteed for- everything will be done when you guys come in in August. Fantastic. Well, why don't we go ahead? Uh, so today, tonight, we are here to talk about uh, Stargate Voyager, um, and and <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the two part pilot for that show. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in our sci fi world. And uh, M, can we start with you, or do you want to go later? Can I go later? I'm still typing. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Dave, let's uh, let's let's have you go. Let's see. I've been off. I haven't been on the last show or two. So I finished the Mass Effect trilogy, the Legacy Edition that they released. Um, again, if you've never played it, spend the money, get it, play it. It, it is probably the, the best sci-fi 
console game, especially that I've ever played. Love it. Um, finished that up, and now I'm playing through the follow-up uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Still, same type of feel, but just a completely different storyline with this one. Um, still a good game. I appreciate it more now after playing through the, the first three again. And uh, found out they're announcing yet another another game in this in that series that I'm looking forward to in the next couple of years. Um, I picked up uh, Star Wars Rebellion, the board game, tabletop game. And uh, my brother and I played that up in the mountains over 4th of July. That has become probably my new favorite tabletop game. That That, that is an awesome game. So what's the um, uh, what's the premise of that game? So it's it's designed for two players. You can play up to four, um, but it's 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 mainly designed for two. Uh, one side's the Empire, the other side's the Rebellion, and you're basically battling for control of of the galaxy. Uh, the Empire's job basically is to find the Rebel base and destroy it and destroy them. While the rebellion is has has to get enough influence in the galaxy to defeat the empire, um, it's a turn. It's a time based game, so you only have I think at maximum fifteen rounds to play before it's over. But as the rebellion gains influence, their marker on the board gets closer to where the time is, and if they ever the two shall meet, the game's over and the rebellion wins. So it's there's a lot of pressure to put into it. There's a lot of strategy into it. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. But again, it's one of those games where if you're going to play it, clear your calendar. <laughs> it's, taken, it's taken all day. Really? Our first run through, our first run through took about four hours over the course of two days to, oh, to, play, it, to play it through. Firefly is um, like that too. The Firefly tabletop. Oh, it can be, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll say, yeah. like, oh, it'll play in two to three hours. Mm, two to three days. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. That's like Twilight Imperium. That is my second holy grail of games, but it's just a matter of when am I going to get three or four people, and when can we have a weekend to play this stinking thing? Yeah. But ton of fun. Um, I got my... Uh, my bundle in there from uh, the Steam Patriots guys yeah. from Silverline Comics that came the other day. Uh, read through it. It's 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 an interesting book so far. Right. Um, run through it quick. I'm, I'll can't wait for the second one. It's your first foray into steampunk, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Very good. Um, aside from that, because I'm rewatching Babylon Five. Again, I just had the urge to watch that an episode the other day, and ended up just going back and starting it and running through. But other than that, I think that's about it. All right, all right, Chrissy, let's go to you next. Tell us a little bit what what is going on in Chrissy's side of the world. Um, well, it's been very spotty lately because my internet just keeps going out. So anytime I try to do something, um, it is good for a while, and then it decides to take a little vacation. So it's it's been very frustrating. Um, I'm hoping that whatever they did tonight fixed it, 
but I kind of doubt it. So if I, if I drop connection, I will try to be back on my um, phone. So I did watch the Stargate Atlantis. Um, wasn't able to do what's the con this weekend because I totally wasn't yes, able to do it. If it was, it was. Sure leave. yeah, sure leave. And I just, yeah, I just couldn't with my internet being as dumb as it was. Um, so did that. Started watching Manifest a little bit. Read um, this book called The Alchemist, which is more like a very fantasy, late sort of thing. Um, but it's like a classic from like the 1980s or, um, yeah, so not too terribly much. I was playing more Final Fantasy. I almost have my weapon farmed up, so I have my cool skin right. for my Astro. Okay. And I forget, you, you said it maybe in one of the other shows, but is that an MMO? Yeah, Final Fantasy 14 is an MMO. I'm currently off of... Wow, because right. Blizzard is <coughs> they they've ruined the plot so many ways and once again they've taken Sylvanas and been like, Oh, she's evil and then they're like, Wait sake, totally not I'm like, I'm done, guys. Yeah. Just just if you're gonna make her evil, make her evil. I don't want any of this, like, you, you killed a world tree, you started an intercontinental war, you're literally, like, feeding souls to Satan, and making a pretty boy prince over there, like, your drone slave makes you go, huh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. That's, that's really where you draw the line, woman. I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, and then of course, like, oh no, they've basically got infinity stones for Satan Thanos there. I'm just like, guys, just ugh. I don't know, like, what they're drinking over there, or like, whether they're just. I feel like at this point, it's just the writers in a sandbox with like action figures that are just, like pounding them together and making explosion noises. I'm I'm so over this plot. Got it. So. When when they get out of the sandbox and actually get serious about their writing, maybe I'll return. There you go. Right. Miles. So I am. I rewatched uh, part two of the pilot for Stargate Atlantis Rising in preparation for this. I also watched uh, a couple more episodes because I was enjoying it so much. Uh, I think. Um, I'm dangerously close to doing a Stargate Atlantis rewatch uh, <laughs> in case that tells you what I think of this show. Yeah. I also, yeah. Um, I watched the movie tomorrow war on Amazon prime. We talked a little bit about it last time we recorded. I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was very good. Um, and there's talk of possibly a, um, a second one, but a pretty solid uh, time travel story. Didn't, it was actually t took a little different take on it, but um, it, so I, I think it's worth a watch. I'm enjoying Loki on Disney Plus. This is more spy-fi than sci-fi, but uh, I'm watching started watching Shooter on Netflix, and uh, one of the actors we've interviewed a, a couple times talked with um, Eddie McClintock. He has a role in this show. I am reading some new Star Trek comic books that just came out. And I am reading a third book in the Time Tunnel, uh, a third book in the Time Tunnel series by Richard Todd. I also uh, purchased uh, The Trouble with Time Travel Part 2. Uh, I just, um, I read the first one uh, a few months back. 
Very good. Very so that's that's what's going on in my sci-fi world. Sounds great. Yeah, I heard that they were going to they're talk. There's talk. They're in talks to do a Tomorrow War too. So that means it did. I, I the, the reviews that I've been seeing have been fairly positive. Yeah, I haven't heard much negativity about it. I thought I thought it was a very solid story, but uh, interesting, kind of interesting take on the whole time on time travel though. Yeah. Yeah. M. Scott. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your sci-fi world. Um, so I, it's also been a while since I've been on. Um, so I just finished Hail Mary by Andy Weir. And what did you think of it? So weird and amazing and strange. And, you know, self burgers are weird. Yeah. Um, but beautiful. Like just the first off, Andy Weir really likes to write about isolation. Right. Um, and he does and- it and he does it well. Does it very well, very very well. I I really loved the book. I have to listen to it again because the ending I had to listen to it like four times. Like, wait a minute, he's he did what? And then like it really sunk in, like where the story was going, and you know. And I'm with him at the end, like trying to figure out, like did did his, did the stuff make it back to where it needed to go? Um, it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. Um, it, I really liked, I liked Artemis. I loved Martian. Um, so I'm very happy. I haven't listened to Egg yet. Um, but really happy so far with Andy Weir. Uh, I watched Black Widow. <clears throat> I didn't, um, uh, I, I got it on Disney Plus. So I got to watch it a couple of times. And, <clears throat> uh, and again, like, it's a nice, I think watching it on TV took something away from it for me. So it didn't feel like a movie. It felt like a really long show. Um, but it was really good. Really, really good. The scene in the helicopter when uh, Alexi says, what are you having? Uh, is it your time of the month? And um, where Yelena goes, no, because I don't have a uterus or ovaries. Like that whole conversation to me, I, I, I just loved the candidness and the honesty and the just like the understanding of like what happened to these women that they weren't just trained to be killers they were mutilated. Mm-hmm. So like that was a big call out that I have not like the red room's been mentioned here and there, but that was a big that was I was very satisfied. That that was that that was brought up and like really brought to mind like look, candidly. Um, uh, I've been watching Leverage Redemption, which isn't really sci-fi, but it's fun. And every once in a while, and Will Wheaton's been on it, so there you go. Um, <laughs> I finished all the Witcher's books finally, um, and continued to adore it with all of my heart. Um, I have purchased all the Witcher's games. Steam had a bundle, so I was like, done. I'm just going to buy them all. And next week, I'm going to start playing through all of them. Um, I'm going to play through them in a row. I'm very excited for that. Uh, Bought tickets for Suicide Squad today. I might try to go to a movie theater. I don't know yet. I have to see how I feel. Um, But I have HBO uh, Max, so I'm hoping, like... You know, I'll still have access to it, but 
we'll see about how I feel about movie theaters. Loki was amazing and strange. I need to watch the last episode again. Um, Tomorrow War was kind of fun. It was actually nice to see What's-His-Face not play Andy, but in space. It was really kind of nice. Um, and I, I would love to watch it, watch, get a, you know, if they, if they, if I would love to watch a second film. Um, I too missed Shore Leave and I missed WitcherCon, which Netflix put on with um, CD Project Red. And there were some great, there were supposed to be a couple little spoilers about season two of Witcher. Um, so I missed that and I'm a little disappointed. And uh, Mythic Quest on Apple Plus just delivered like friggin' Dominoes. I, I absolutely loved every minute of it. It was super cute. Um, uh, waiting for a new big chapter to drop on my MMO. And that's other than working a bajillion hours a week. That's my sci-fi world in a nutshell-ish. It sounds uh, busy. I've been trying trying to fit in, like, because sci-fi is such a nice escape and release, and I can listen to books on the, when I go for a walk or when I'm on the bike. And it's, you know, I, I haven't really, I've been in my house for 450 days. Right. right. So it's, it's nice to travel to a whole different galaxy or a whole, whole different universe or to a multiverse. Um, I'm super jazzed about that. Oh, I'm also super jazzed. I was reading that the new Captain Marvel movie that Ms. Marvel will get an appearance as well. <gasps> Very happy. And then I understand she's getting a TV show, which I have always wanted as well. She's such a great character and, and and just so easygoing and so friggin' cute. Uh, I'm super super. I can't wait for that to to land at some point. That's it. That's all. I'll stop talking. <laughs> well, you know, you said you missed Shore Leave, but if you go to Shore Leave's YouTube channel, every single panel and every single discussion has been recorded and uploaded there, so you can watch it. <gasps> That's awesome. Yeah. That's really good to know. Thanks. That's awesome, Shore Leave people. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was I was really disappointed that I like couldn't even do anything <laughs> this yeah, weekend. I was, I was camping out in the woods, so I uh, just I, I didn't on purpose. Yes. Yes. <laughs> With yes. the mosquitoes. Yes. 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 Indeed. So. I have I have type O blood, and so they love my my blood, and so me like I like the idea of camping, but then the reality is I just am itchy for the next two weeks with gigantic blotches all over me. So, so I did not do shore leave either. Although um, I debated doing the matrix panel, but I just didn't just couldn't make it happen. Um, I did. I had read earlier in the, like probably a week or two after it came out, I read the hail Mary with Andy Weir and I loved it. Em. I agree. Um, in my opinion, the Martian still is my favorite. Uh, I re I reread that book like six or seven times. Um, this one, I didn't have to go back and read right away again, but I liked it better than Artemis. I, again, you're right. Andy Weir does a great job writing this. I'm alone in space type crap. Um, and Artemis wasn't, <laughs> Ar Artemis wasn't that right. Um, right. and, and it was a good story. I enjoyed the story, but it was, it wasn't, it wasn't any, 
you know, Martian and it wasn't any, um, it wasn't any Hail Mary. And the thing I like about Hail Mary, especially, and the Martian is I felt like he rooted a lot of that in hard science. Yes, it's science fiction, but if we were to do this today, here's what that science would look like. And, um, and so that's, so I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, I have a secret dream that if NASA really makes it to Mars, that they refer to, um, they refer to units of power as, uh, uh, pirate ninjas. Yep. Absolutely. I I agree. You know, uh, and, and I like to, like in that book, um, when they like when he meets the alien, right? Um, that it's not like, oh, we're all breathing the same air, you know. It's 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 really different, and they're and it's it's they're like the difficulty in communicating. It's not just let's have a universal translator, let's do this thing. Like it's some really good thought out how this might happen if this were to actually happen. Mm. So, so I really appreciated that. Um, what I'm watching currently, um, I began watching Manifest. It finally hit Netflix, and I began watching it. I didn't watch it when it was out earlier. Um, and I got my entire family into it. Chris likes it. Kiefer likes it. Um, and so we all like Manifest. We're only like two or three episodes in, uh, but enjoying it because of the mystery kind of behind it, but the uh, little bit of the supernatural kind of involved in it as well, as far as what we know. Um, still reading through, uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Um, it's a little bit slower now because it's one of two books I'm reading. Uh, I began rereading name of the wind. Um, I don't know why I'm doing it to myself because I know when I get to like wise man's fear and stop, I'll be cursing Roth for, you know, Ross's name again because, (laughs) but but I reread it because I'm doing the I'm doing NaNoWriMo this time, um, and I'm working on a fantasy book. Uh, and there's been times I'm like, oh, this reminds me of the bar scene in this part of Name of the Wind, and so that kind of is what got me back into it. Um, so I'm working through uh, my own fantasy novel that I'm kind of uh, developing and working on. Um, so. Um, and uh, I enjoy it. That's been uh, going very well. And we just lost Chrissy. She'll probably be back in a little bit. Um, also watched Stargate uh, Voyager or enjoyed the first two episodes. I'm going to call it that from here on out. Um, the, uh, I did enjoy the first two episodes. I, you know, what, what was great was looking at all the people we met and all the people that we um, and some of the people that we interviewed as a part of the show. Um and so that was, and there, that was there's a lot of people we've interviewed that have done something with Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, and uh, also forgot that Ronan was not in the first two episodes. But, mm-hmm. um, other than that, Loki, I agree. Uh, Loki was a pleasant surprise. I love the fact that they're that they're gender swapping Kong um, or not, not Kong so much as it um, hit the uh, anyways, that the central villains not going to be him, but maybe the, uh, maybe the girl that we met this kind of in charge of the TVA. Yeah. So no, not Sylvie. Um, the one that is in charge of the TVA sort of. 
Oh, Mrs. Ms. Ryan something. Yeah. So like she seems to be where they're taking this. And um, I, I loved like when I watched the series, I didn't. First of all, I knew Tom Hiddleston was in. I did not know Owen Wilson was in. So when oh. Owen, Owen Wilson did a fantastic job in this. He's series. so good. Um, you know, my picture of him is like watching him in Zoolander. Such a different character, right? <laughs> you know, but uh, this really shows a different side of him. And I love the interplay between him and Hiddleston and the kind of the buddy cop drama that was going on. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed, 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 uh, enjoyed Loki a lot. So, so yeah, that's been my sci-fi world. So cool. Yep. Oh, I do have to. So I watched 17 minutes of Stargate Atlantis and I, I, I just couldn't get into it. <laughs> like, it just started making me itch. And it could be that, that like, I just wasn't in the mindset or the mood to like, to remember that this was like 15 years ago or 10 years ago. It feels like forever ago. So it was just, it was frustrating for me. Like, I wanted my. It's a first world problem. I'm going to be honest about it. You know, <laughs> I. Why isn't this in 4K? Why is this in 3 4? Right. Oh my God. Is that really what you're holding? I can't do this. Um, so I, I have to be accepting. Kind of like when I when people tell me they don't want to watch Battlestar Galactica, the original, because it's they think it's garbage. Philistines. Yep. It's. I. So. I have to. I have to admit that I did not give it the respect i i could have I could have given it because I don't. I don't think I was mentally prepared to go back in time. So I apologize to all you Stargate Atlantis people. <laughs> it is okay. It is okay. Um, so uh, why don't we get into that? And um, Miles, why don't you give us just a little bit of synopsis of the show, a little bit of the stats, and then we'll get into what we thought about rewatching this pilot again, you know, all these years later. Sure. A team of scientists think they have found the location of the long lost city of Atlantis. It can be reached by a Stargate address that leads the Pegasus galaxy. Dr. Elizabeth Weir leads an expedition to find the ancient lost city of Atlantis, a journey that brings her and a carefully selected crew of Earth's best and brightest to the Pegasus galaxy, where they embark on the adventure of a lifetime and awaken among the stars an enemy none of them could have predicted, endangering themselves and any of people of Pegasus alike. And the creators was Brad Wright and Robert C. Cooper. Those names probably sound familiar among our listeners. Uh, you know, their um, connection to Stargate and other shows. Uh, the showrunners for uh, during, a time, during that time was Brad Wright, uh, Joseph Malozzi, and Paul Mooley. It had 100 episodes. It ran on the Sci-Fi Channel. And its original run was uh, July of 2004 to January of 2009. Right. So by the time the last episode aired, that was like the Sci-Fi Diner just started. Yes. And uh, the first convention you and I went to, Scott, together, Shore Leave, uh, had a very strong Stargate Atlantis presence uh, yeah. that year. And, and um, I, I wish I was more, it, I mean, I, I got into the show later, but but. I would have probably appreciated more the, the, the guest list that was there in 2009. Yeah. Was that the year that we interviewed Hyredal? It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah mm -hmm. We 
sat down, had a, like a 45 minute plus conversation with him. He was just sitting there chatting with us. He, of course, in this episode played, uh, what hail or hall. Uh, Halling, I think the guy's name was. Oh, in this. Yeah, and then he, later on, he plays like Todd the Wraith. Which so, he was brilliant at. Yeah. Yep, and he's a Swede in um, in um, Hell on Wheels, and uh, he's done a bunch of different stuff. So, Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was so that, I mean, that year in 2009, uh, so... Uh, Rachel Luttrell was a guest at this convention. Um, Jason Momoa was a guest at this convention. This is before he got huge. He was, he was, him and Rachel were at a later convention. It wasn't that first year. Cause we had tried, we had tried to get interviews with them and it was later and they refused to get interviews. But that was, I think that was a little bit later. Okay. Uh, maybe it was the year after, but It um, it all, it all kind of runs together, but, but I remember he was, at least he was kind enough to get a picture with you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mean you got a picture with early days Jason Momoa, baby actor Jason Momoa? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. I took the picture. I remember taking the picture. Yeah. That's that's super fun. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, we should we should somehow post that picture yeah, uh, somewhere. Oh there. yeah. If I can find absolutely. it. Mm-hmm. It's back in it's back in the archives somewhere. So um like as far as the only people I remember interviewing in these first two episodes um, were Tori Higginson, the, you know, Weir, and then um, and then also uh, and then uh, Christopher Heyerdahl. Did we interview other people that were part of this these two pilots that I'm missing? Um, I think as far as the pilot. That was probably it. But, but throughout the show run, you know, we, we've interviewed several other people that were. Right. Oh, O'Neill. Uh, I guess we did O'Neill. So. But, well, if we're going to do that, I mean, we interviewed uh, Amanda Tapping. But she's, uh, not, she, she's not in this episode. She's not in this episode, but she, you know, she joins the cast in season four, I think. I love uh, her. I just love her. Yeah. She's amazing. David Nichol, uh, who, who, who is in season one. Um, Robert Picardo, you know, he, he, right. he, he was in that too. Uh, Christopher judge, uh, he was, he guest starred in one episode. Um, we also interviewed, um, Michael Topo and, uh, um, he, you know, he had one guest role. He's in lots of Canadian sci-fi and, uh, Jude L. Furland. They were both guests at this convention a few years ago. So we've been fortunate to meet a lot of people either who, were uh, you know either you know uh, lead lead cast members or you had guest starred in it in some way. Right, right, right. Yeah. Was uh, Tori Higginson? Was she the one that cussed at me? Is that right? <sighs> yes, yes. I think she told you to you know. She said "f you" or yes, "f off" you, or something. You effing bastard! Why? Like what did you do? I had. To, <laughs> <laughs> it was quite simple. I had. I had land. I don't know what version of iPhone was, but I I had gotten the most recent iPhone like the week of the convention and it dropped or come out and she saw it and swore at me. Like, how dare uh, you get this before me? It was I didn't I didn't I I did nothing to piss her off. It was just kind of Was funny. she joking or was she serious? Oh yeah, no, she was joking. <laughs> okay, yes. okay. It was just tech FOMO then. Yes, absolutely. It's just I was 
shocked hearing it from her. I mean, right, she right. seems like so very proper in the show. And uh, to hear f bombs flying out of her mouth was just like, <laughs> was like you got to censor that for the show. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that'd have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think wow. we were. I think we stopped recording at that time, unfortunately. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh come on! Yeah, because I think it happened when we were taking pictures at the end. Is what happened. Yes, we did get a nice picture with her, though. Yep, yep. She she didn't refuse that after seeing my phone. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, yes, let's, you, you... Let, let, let's jump. Let's jump into this a little bit. Tell me a little bit. So we're going back 2004. We're now. Well, man, we're 17 years after the show's premiere. Obviously, there's a little bit of dating that goes on. Um, Although, I wouldn't have said there was a lot. Like, for me, the dating happened in, like, the graininess of it. You mentioned the 4K. I'm using to seeing stuff at higher resolution now. So, I did pick up on that um, when I was watching it or streaming it. Um, But I'm not certain... Yeah, I'm not certain that uh, there was a lot else that I picked up on. But what was it like for you folks uh, re-watching Stargate Atlantis again? Well, when I watched it, so I, I have to confess, I, when I started watching it, um, I didn't watch it when it first aired. Um, I sort of got into the Stargate franchise through you know, going to cons and just seeing how much people love this. Like, okay, I got to watch Stargate. And so I watched Stargate and I went, devoured it pretty quickly. Um, fortunately, Netflix had it at the time. I think it has it now, but, but they also had a more extended version of the pilot. And that's the one I remember seeing first. So I watched it. I noticed there were some things kind of cut out a little bit, but, um, for time, but it was a fun rewatch. I mean, there's a reason why this show is popular with fans. There's a reason why after the show closed that it alienated a lot of fans and maybe why they didn't give Stargate universe a, um, a try. Um, but, um, it was fun going back. Um, I might have to do a rewatch again because I, I think this show is just so good. Yeah. Dave, how about for you? I only ever watched this for the first time only a few years ago here. Um, it was after after I did a a, a, a modified watch through of SG1 with my wife. Kind of got her into it. Um, I remembered this existed. And we found, I forget where we started watching it. But we only watched like the first season or so because either it disappeared or we had to pay for it or something like that. Ended up getting them all on DVD then so we could finish the show out. And, you know, really enjoyed it. I mean, I was used to SG-1 and used to the characters and the banter. And then they kind of spin off. There's always a bit of a, a curve for me as far as just understanding that this isn't the show that came before it is a new show there's different people the different dynamic and uh but but really really enjoyed it um watching the pilot again i think i I did i did not at least i've watched it through at least twice maybe three times altogether since we started it and watching the pilot again was also very fun i mean they did good with the familiarity in the beginning with daniel and and uh General O'Neill in the beginning of it, and then really kind of 
sent them off on their way and and uh, came into its own. Right, right. And I know, um, you said you started it. You got 17 minutes in. Was there something other than the uh, graininess of it that kind of put you off? Or uh, what were your thoughts in just the first 17 minutes? So, like, when I... It's hard for me to... When I go back and watch television from that time period again this is a big first world problem right right qualify this right we'll qualify i'm a big friggin' diva about this you know (laughs) i as soon as like i was able to buy a big 4k tv i did and you know as i grew up and i could have like the best tech i want to watch things the best way so while i'm watching it i'm trying looking i'm figuring i've clean i'm sitting there and i've cleaned my glasses thinking it was my glasses and then I was like, well, maybe, so I put on my other pair of glasses thinking, and I, then I realized, no, dummy, it's, it's just an older film. You're going to have to sit back and just kind of relax your eyeballs. It was hard for me to shift into that mindset. And I kind of like, uh, I dug the pit myself of, I'm okay. not, I can't handle this right now. I have to sit down you know i and and know what i'm expecting and know what i'm set my expectations differently so that i can really enjoy the story because the people i know who have enjoyed all the stars gate trek wars all of them like they really enjoyed this you know it was episodic but it was still wide arced there were great characters to get invested in and and i was i there's the you know early 2000s cheesiness sci-fi that's that personally I really do enjoy um so I I just haven't been I I didn't have the the, the mindset to respect what it what, what it is and what it was right. and I do realize there's a cheese factor to it because it is it's television sci-fi it's going to be fun and goofy so at times and it's going to take itself too seriously sometimes but like it was really just it was my own fault. It was not the TV show, right, um, right? Although you know, if you talk about Babylon Five, it's all the TV show's fault that it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave, your camera is really dark, so I can't see your grimace. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. Wait, so, you know, uh, the cheese factor, I think one of the things I liked about the pilot rewatching it was those one-liners that O'Neill had, right? You know, like, like um, you know, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, this is, this is like a normal day for him. And I loved his comment about that was a total waste of a good explanation line that he had. Um that was when when David Hewitt's character is uh, is uh, you know Rodney McKay is giving this nice long explanation, and he turns and says that was a waste of a good explanation. Love that line um, because it's so him. Like he's just nuts and bolts. It's like you know he's Jack O'Neill, right? Um, so I really appreciate that, and um, I appreciated seeing uh, you know. Um, Heyerdahl, uh, Terminator 2, like seeing him on the screen, you know, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick, right? Yeah. Um, so and uh, and uh, also not surprising they killed him off. I knew it was just a one off, but um, 
It was what a good. great death scene, though. Oh, it is. It is. It's it's like the Indiana Jones death scene, right? You know, the people they you know the you know basically you know get all their liquid sucked out of them, right? Um, and, and it was good. I mean, what this what this does in this two part is it it creates everyone's like in Stargate SG one the gate builders. You know, here that you know these are ooh the Uber, and now you create a race. That at least in the first two episodes appear superior to the gate builders. Now, what does that mean, right? Um, you've upped the ante about the, these baddies called the Wraith, um, who are not only just they're very old and have managed to figure out how to suck life out of people and thus keep themselves alive, but they're also um, the ones that the ancients or the gate builders, the people that built the gates, feared. Um, and so all that's kind of it really sets up a good premise for the show as far as how do we fear it and uh you know part of that comes through seeing a Robert Patrick's character die and them kind of um stick it to them and and kind of work with it. So Yeah, the Wraith almost had a kind of a vampire like um vibe going on i was gonna say zombie but no zombie doesn't really describe them i mean no, it's definitely more vampire definitely more vampire and more they're more regal i mean they have the best outfits i mean the wraith know how to they know how to dress i mean they got you know <laughs> I, i'm just jealous awesome. of the, 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 the clothing these people get to wear Miles, I love you so so much for saying that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some snazzy outfits. I mean, I yeah. couldn't rock it, but they, but they, but they can. Yeah, Chrissy, uh, did you watch? Did you, did you watch uh, Stargate Atlantis? I don't know. Did Chrissy was Chrissy able to rejoin us? Well, she's on my screen. I see her. I see her, but I mean, we can't hear you, Chrissy. So, um, yeah. So Chrissy. We'll, so yeah, we'll just we'll move yeah, on, and if she pops in, we'll stop and we'll hear her take on it. But yes, yes, I want to yeah, hear her so, take on it. So again, I thought that they set up the villains really well. Um, the race ships were interesting when you first see them come through that Stargate. Um, uh, even they were like threading the needle; they were kind of imposing. It was the first. This was the first time. Am I right about this, Miles, Dave? Um, if you watch SG One, is this the first time we have ships going through like this? I think the first time we saw the puddle jumper that they found in, in the in the Milky Way galaxy. Maybe that went in first. I'm not sure. Right. Um. It would have been the first or a second with 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 the darts. Right. That's what that, that's what they called them on the show. Is the darts? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, I did like the I like the ships. I like Atlantis. Um, what did you guys think of Atlantis? They're underwater when you first see it. Uh, you know, I, I know for for M's TV, it looks dated. I, I still think it looks beautiful. I, I think I think the whoever designed the, the city, uh, mad props to them. Just I mean, it's 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 amazing how how beautiful the city is and versatile it is. I mean, it's like we'll make Atlantis this this city ship. 
um, and, and it has this super advanced technology, but it's hampered because its power source, the, the ZPM, they, they don't have a ZPM, ZPMs to power it. It, it has limited abilities, but it, there's so much potential with this city, and, and there's so much to explore. I mean, they, they, they're really... I mean, they explore. That's what one cool thing about the show is that they, they they gave them this ability to explore so much as far as the city goes, and um, and so that was just good writing there. Just but but as far as how it looked visually, amazing. It's just gorgeous and beautiful. And watching and you know coming coming out of the water was just I don't know, just 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 amazing. Yeah, I did like. By the way, I agree with you about the writing thing. It gave them fodder. Not only not only we're we going through Stargates, but now we're going. We have the city that we can also kind of put as part of, you know, the exploration. Like they really couldn't do that. I mean, they did that sometimes in Earth, but it was a whole different ball game to do it within a city that's kind of unknown and that you're exploring it. Um, I did like the irony, by the way. You know, David, like uh, what? Um, uh, you know, Rodney McKay there is trying to keep the city like the the shield from failing, and it's the thing that the city needs to like rise up. Like the shields need to fail for them to like raise it up to the surface. But so I thought that That's an issue from yeah, it yeah, is, it is. Dave, what were your thoughts on the city? Oh, it, it looked cool, and the way they. They took the the legend of Atlantis that we have, you know, oh, yeah. city that's submerged in there, and they find it, and it is submerged in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, uh, it, it it's really neat. Did they ever? I, I'm trying to remember. Did they ever actually explore the entire city throughout the show? Not the whole city. I mean, they they, they explored it's huge. It's, yeah, it's ginormous. So they, they yeah. never, and I think that was by design. You can never fully, you, you scratch the surface, but I mean, you know, it was as big as Manhattan. So yeah. it was, you know, there'd be so much to always explore. Yeah. I mean, it, it and the, the way they used it, you know, later in the series when they actually, you know, lifted it off with, you know, disguising it to hide from the wraith, you know, it, 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 it was, it was pretty cool. Like, I think if the show would have gotten more seasons than what it did, it was already taking on like an enterprise feel where it's like a character in the show itself. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the, uh, quite the interesting city. I mean, something different from what we were used to from SG one entirely. Right. Another thing. Funny. It's kind of funny. Uh, Scott calls it Stargate Voyager, and Dave, you just (laughs) referred to Enterprise. There was um, a bit of trivia that that actually DS9 was kind of an inspiration for it. And I'm curious, as those of you who have watched it, do you do you see more? Which of those shows do you see that it reflected in the show? A D a uh, that DS9 kind of helped uh, inspire the show. In the sense that, you know, sometimes they had, I don't know, problems or crises they had to solve at the home base. Um, I, I could see, I could see a parallel with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're taking over a a, a completely foreign and strange outpost. Your resources are limited, especially uh, at the beginning. And, and it's Voyager in the sense, like Voyager thrown into like a whole different quadrant of the galaxy. Uh, what do you do yeah. with the SG team? Let throw them into the Pegasus galaxy and go to it. It's kind of, and there's no way home. Wait, this is Voyager. You know, it is kind of that. It is kind of that feel. Um, I think because you have some of those elements. I don't think it. I don't think it is Voyager in a lot of senses, but in those senses, I would say it's Voyager like. Well, the first the first season, I can say that you can say it is because they they're isolated. They're they have right. no way to you know contact Earth. They're on their own. So I mean. Until, yeah, uh, at least until second season, they're they're by themselves. Yeah, until the uh, the ships start making their way back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No follow up questions. Continue. All right. <laughs> Continue along. Continue along. You know, I, I do. I, I do kind of feel like it is. Um, my one complaint, and it's not a major complaint anyways, this this pilot does echo the SG one pilot. Um, because you I you have the military going in, we gotta make sure everything's safe and we, you know, gotta watch out for unfriendlies. And I'm like, okay, this is SG one all over again. Um <laughs> so this whole battle between, you know, the regular crew and the other crew. And so so I, I I felt like there was a little bit of a rehash and maybe it's more of a rehash of the SG one movie than it is about uh, that. But I felt like there was, there were some vibes that were kind of the same for me. Oh yeah. yeah uh, instead of being taken over by a parasite, you're getting your life sucked out of you. Oh yeah. <laughs> but Yeah. Uh, another thing I liked what they did was with the actual Stargate itself. I mean, it was I mean, if 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 the 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 Earth Stargate is an analog Stargate, this one is digital because there's no moving parts. I mean, it's there. There's just you know, except the chevrons. I think it's just the, the um, there's nothing that moves on it. It's just um, it moves across the the Stargate as far as which symbols it it, it hits, but. Uh, it's a nice little, nice little upgrade there, and oh yeah, and they they did as far as a shield, they didn't have a iris, a physical iris, but they had this force field, which was just as effective, mm-hmm. um, and, and and really a good homage to the time periods where the the lore of the gate would have come from. I mean, <laughs> if I'm pulling something out of ancient Egypt, their gate design looked like something that you could picture being uncovered and buried for years in ancient Egypt. Right. You know, you're going to a place with a, with an advanced race of, of, of beings who built everything and designed everything. You know, if it looked as clunky as the, as as the, the SG one version, the Milky way version, it would kind of take it a little out of place, I think. But you, so, I mean, they're they're good reflections of, of, location right right yeah when i and i like to you know talking about parallels between sg1 and this 
Daniel Jackson in both SG one and in Stargate Atlantis figure out the uh, <coughs> figures out the final gate address in both of them. That's yeah, it comes full circle. It's um, he discovers both of them. Yeah, you're right. Did he use Budge? No, he did not. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, not, I mean, nope. Didn't use Budge. Okay, because if you're going to translate it, I mean, why would you use Budge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so why don't we move into uh, some of the actors and some of the, uh, some of, I mean, the pilots are always weird because you don't really have these, you don't really have the development of the characters over the long haul. Um, but how did the characters set it like come off for you? Um, as far as, and, and probably we probably should take like O'Neill and, uh, and Daniel off the table because they're kind of regular from SG one. But as far as what became like the Stargate Atlantis crew, how did they feel? Uh, I thought, you know, major Shepard, I thought, um, you know, he's kind of a guy with a little bit of a past, and so, um, you know, his his CEO played by um, Robert Patrick doesn't like him or trust him, but he has, but he has the he has the meta gene, and so he makes him invaluable as far as you know operating ancient technology. But um, I mean, originally, I think he they thought he would be the Jack O'Neill of the show and but he but i thought he did a pretty good job throughout the, the series becoming his own his own guy yeah he definitely doesn't, he definitely doesn't channel jack o'neill no thankfully yeah there can only be one only be one. well yeah and but i mean if you're, if you're trying to set yourself apart too i mean jack o'neill is jack o'neill i mean you know, <laughs> To try to, try to, yeah, to, to try to copy and mimic that character would have not. I don't think it would have worked very well. Um, but the similarities between the two of them. I mean, the, the, both both of them turn it turns into their redemption story in a lot of ways. I mean, both of them had to overcome, you know, a, a, some sort of troubled past. That is true, know, and it's and it's great, but. The the standout for me is Rodney McKay. I love Rodney. It, it, he, I mean, just his snarkiness in the few times he was in SG One, but getting him to actually grow into that, and you really, I, oh, I just came to love and just wait for him, and just his his snark and his just a hole behavior. It was just hilarious <laughs> to me. Right. And you saw that so much here in the pilot, the first two pilot episodes of him, you know, being a little bit of jealous, being a little bit of a diva. Um, mm-hmm. The the world revolves around him. You know, it's very much that. And it's, uh, and, but I do like, I agree that his snark is what makes him a character that you don't always like, but, but you, uh, you appreciate. And one, I think if I, if I'm, if I remember it all right, he's probably the one that I, I believe I've seen the most. You saw the most growth and development with hmm. throughout the show, you know, where he starts to 
where, where his, his vision starts to get a little bit bigger than himself right. and starts to learn how to feel empathy for his friends. You know, it's a, uh, I, I just think he's a great character and it was played very, very well. To piggyback on that. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, he become, you know, he becomes less of an a-hole and more of a human being throughout the series. But when, um, spoiler alert, um, when, when when the doctor it, it gets killed, mm-hmm. but then he, he comes back as a clone. Uh, when when Beckett comes back, but you know he's like you know he's kind of having an existential crisis, and uh, McKay is like, "Hey, I just got my best friend back. I don't care how I got him back. I'm just glad I got him back." And you're just like, "I, I for me, I thought that was just a very." It's like, yay, Rodney. I mean, just, you know, you're a human being now. I mean, I mean, I mean he, he was he was before, but just, you know, he, he gets his best friend back. It doesn't matter how. It just, and it's just some strange, through, through, through um, Wraith technology, he, he, he gets a, a clone of his friend back, but it doesn't matter. It's his friend. So he's glad he's got him back. Right. And, and when he died, when, when he loses him the first time, you feel, you feel horrible for him because it's just such a gut punch. Right. But we're jumping ahead a little, but you know, just no, I just I agree. Yeah, McKay does be, get more humanized throughout the series. Right. It, it, you know, I think the character that is probably for me the the least growth, and and maybe even through the series, and I really enjoyed a Weir as a commander. Um. But she was also kind of flat, at least here in the first episode. Yeah, I I can't argue with that. Yeah. And I think I liked her. I think I liked her. Like, I remember, like, I haven't watched the series in a while. And I remember liking her in the series. Um, but, you know, when I think about memorable characters, she's not the highest on the total, like, you know, Ronan's obviously up there. Uh, Rachel Luttrell, um, Joe Flanagan, uh, you know, uh, Samantha Carter, um, Joel State. You know, all those are like memorable people in the in the show. But she would be like the lower end of that for me. Which I wonder. I wonder if that has something to do with why she was replaced. I uh, maybe think- maybe it's just that role is hard enough was hard enough to do, which is why I mean they replaced it what twice throughout the series. Yeah, and they brought her back, didn't she? They brought her back. I know they had Robert Picardo was there yeah. in that spot, and then they brought in. Uh, I think the practical uh, reason, Miles, correct if I'm wrong, but didn't she go through some pretty severe uh, medical stuff? Of course, Miles just dropped out of the call. Uh, so, oh, no. yeah. There you go. We're just losing everyone tonight. Um, Which role is this? I'm going to look it up for you while you guys discuss. So it's Tori Higginson's role of Elizabeth Weir. Okay. And it's been several different actors? Well, they didn't, they didn't play Elizabeth Weir. They replaced her role on the... Her position in Atlantis. Yeah, her position was, was, yeah. So she's captured. Okay. Um, 
And then she comes back and she captures. He's gone for a year, comes back a year later. Uh, I found an article which is called uh, Jessica Steen finally reveals why why Stargate recast Dr. Weir. Why did... (coughs) Excuse me. Stargate fans uh, finally have the answer to the question 18 years after the actress portrayed Dr. Elizabeth Weir in the seventh season finale, Lost City. Um, blah, 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 blah. It's a really long article. It oh, that's from SG-1. Yeah. Oh, she was dropped from SG-1? So there were the, the original actress who played the character of Dr. Weir was in it for a couple of episodes, and then when the character left and then came back, it was a completely different actress. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so there's a lot more to this than I will be able to find while we record this show. So never mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, I, I, I thought that she had gone through some health issues is what I had heard and maybe was uh, Miles, you're back in the show here. Tori yeah, I lost my internet for a second. Uh, Tori Higginson, did, they, so she dropped out like 2007. She was captured and then they brought her back in 2008. Uh, my understanding is that she, she had dealt with some, uh, she did deal with some health issues. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly or was it more to it than that? I, I think they wrote her off because there just wasn't they want to try something else. I guess they weren't really satisfied with where the character was going. I, I, I do remember you, her getting, uh, having health issues. When we talked about, talked to, uh, Misetta Vander. Um, and I, I, I don't know how that, you know, talking about Tori Higginson, but she, but I remember Misetta Vander said, yeah, she, she's been sick lately. And, uh, yeah, I think that was after we interviewed her. So maybe that came after. <laughs> Yeah, I I, th- I think it was all purely creative why they they wrote her off the show, yeah. and I, I mean, the, the concept of her character was good, but I, I but I don't know if there was an opportunity. The writers didn't know what to do with her. I, I, that's that, that's yeah. So maybe not so much her fault, but I felt like and I was telling before you dropped off the show, I felt like she was a very flat character for me here in the pilot. So. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to hope maybe have some kind of um, uh, conflict and tension with with the mil- the civilians in the military, and they had it sometimes, but yeah, uh, I don't I don't think it worked out the way they they were hoping. So we meet we meet uh, we meet Kayla in this in this episode. How do you feel Kayla came across in this in this in this two part episode? Dave, I know you have something to say here. In the premiere, I, I think she was great. I mean, they met someone, a native to, they met and befriended a native to this side of the universe, um, which they needed to do. And, and I've got no problem with her character. But, and I, well, I can't even say, but I actually, the more I think about it here, the more I liked how her character was. I mean, again, if the show would have gone longer, I would have hoped she would have gotten a little more depth and intention or intentionally written for her. So you get, you know, get a little more depth to it. I mean, 
you get, you're a native, you know everybody, you know the planets, you know the landscape, and you can throw down when need to. Yeah, you're a tough cookie. That's great. Um, and I, if given more time, I would have hoped they would have written her better so she wasn't like a, a, a you know, a Neelix who could kick someone's ass. <laughs> I thought she kind of came off as like the female Tilk early on. Uh, yeah, and I can see that. I can see that playing off uh, as a part of it. Um, but I would agree. I like the the, the, the term female Tilk. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I see that. Um, or I see them attempting, and maybe maybe that's part of the issue I have with the pilot is that there's elements of it that have felt like okay, what we're do- doing here is trying to recreate an SG one, um, but I'm really glad that this show got its legs and didn't come off that way in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be able to evolve and become its own thing. Yeah. And if they were going for the female teal thing, that certainly fell off as soon as Ronan came into the picture. Oh, absolutely. And Ronan was just bad, just, just, oh. just totally. I, he was just, he was great. He, he's the only reason my wife, I think, watched the show through. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm well, not going to lie about that. You know, this is, a, this is pre like everything for him, pre Game of Thrones, pre, you know, Aquaman. And uh, you know, pre Dune, Dune's not out yet. But you know, and and this, when people say, "Oh yeah," so um, let's talk about you know, Ronan. Uh, like, like this is who he. This is who he is for me. Like he is. Many of these actors, when we see them and they go on to other things, they they mean the first time we see them or they stick with us in a role. That's who they are for us. Maybe for the rest of their lives, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I saw him first in Baywatch. Oh, I forgot he was in Baywatch. Baywatch. He was in Baywatch. I don't know why I watched that show, but I guess it might have been just complete boredom. Right. Um, but I remember seeing him and thinking, oh, that's a pretty young man. Uh, <laughs> and then of course, not often him. used with Baywatch. <laughs> and then, like, I remember seeing something. I was like, oh, pretty young man's now on Stargate. Okay. And then I completely forgot about him. And then I'm, it wasn't until I was watch I was watching game of Thrones. Like, God, that dude looks familiar. He's huge. Like he's just mad. He's tall and solid, but I didn't really recognize him like in character. And then I realized, Oh my God, it's a little surfer boy. (laughs) And then him getting, um, getting Aquaman. I was like, right. Cause you know, he's from Atlantis. So everything works. Everything works out in the end. Right, right. See? It's all cyclical. Yep, he's from Atlantis again. Well, uh, sidebar, have any of you watched him in the TV show C on Apple Plus? What is it? There's a TV show called C on Apple Plus, S-E-E, oh. about how a, a virus descends upon humans. Uh-oh. And um, <laughs> takes away their sight and after generation and generation um, humans just believe that they are born sightless. And then uh, all of a sudden, Jason Momoa's children are born with the, with the, the being able to see. And it's just a weird, it's, 
like it's dystopian to like a really creepy place but i do i recommend that this second season is coming out later this year and i i he's 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 kind of dark in this one and i like it so that sounds sorry, very interesting okay uh, I didn't mean to sidebar, but I did try to yell out sidebar first, so you knew I was going kind of to the left. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay, uh, I'm back. But that's an that's a, that's certainly an interesting premise. So, so it was also on Netflix show I liked um, about like the early um, frontier. Frontier, yeah. He plays a half. I enjoyed it. I mean, he plays a half. Caucasian half Native American uh, person, and it's uh, it takes place mostly in Canada. Um, but no, I, I watched. There was a it ran for two seasons on Netflix. So I thought that was pretty good. Hmm. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. But the show you talked about, M, that does sound very interesting. Well, is there anything else that we uh, should talk about that we didn't talk about regarding the show? I mean, we kind of talked about the pilot, the race. We talked about some of the main actors. Um, I recall, like, I, th- I felt like Lieutenant Ford was a bit forgettable in the pilot, but I do remember liking him in the show a little bit later on. So, I thought his character was likable, too. And, I, I mean, it, I just don't – there really wasn't – much to go with his character unless he suffers a major trauma like he did in the show right um and i thought that was interesting having him kind of go rogue and uh, right. having having you know him being a thorn in the side of of, of the, the sga for for a while um yeah that was interesting but, yeah i mean yeah i mean so he was re- you know so that, that that was an interesting you know twist with his character that he you know he, he's a good He's a good soldier, follows the rules, but then he gets uh, compromised by by Wraith Enzyme, and um, he just becomes this uh, this thorn in the side of uh, um, uh, of Shepard and uh, the people at, at, at Atlantis. Um, yeah, but the books the books do a good job of wrapping up his character. I mean, there's like a lot of sci fi series. Stargate has some great novels out there, and uh, in the novels, they, they do, do a pretty good job of, um, you know, kind of wrapping up his, his character's uh, storyline since the series wasn't able to do it. Sounds uh, good. But we were supposed to get a Stargate Atlantis movie, probably straight to DVD like we got with the other Stargate uh, SG-1 movies, but I remember Robert Ricardo telling us this when we talked to him, uh, but uh, MGM had declared bankruptcy, and so that, that pulled the plug on that. Um, and then the, the Sci-Fi Channel decided to go with Stargate Universe, and uh, um, I, I think I think Atlantis had, had definitely had a few more seasons to go before before I, th- I think I, I mean five seasons is is pretty good in, in a lot of TV shows especially science fiction, but I think, I think there's more stories they could have told. They could have kept it going for another five seasons easily. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Speaking of Robert Picardo, several notable Trek alumni in this show as the seasons went with uh, Picardo. Then of course, everyone's favorite engineer from the NX-01 comes back to play a Wraith and 
had a long-standing reoccurring role. That is true, and uh, I thought that was int- what you know. That, the whole thing with the wraith was interesting because you, you never knew exactly what their origin was. I mean, they had the ability to turn them human temporarily, but then um, it was only temporary, though. Mm-hmm. And Chief O'Brien and his reoccurring bad guy role. Well, I mean, that's that's another thing with this show is it had other interesting adversaries they would have to deal with. I mean, not just the Wraith, but the Wraith were the main adversary, but then this tribe of humans called the Janai was another interesting uh, enemy to deal with. And with with this show, with humans on all different planets, you had them with different technological developments. These people were roughly around, you know, America and Western Europe and World War II era almost, and so uh, that was that was kind of cool with what they um, explored. And they they go to worlds where, like I said, I mean, most of the time the technological development was a little on the primitive side, but sometimes they would go to a world and it's just like it was like this world that was almost like World War One era uh, technology, but but they can still with the Stargate travel from planet to planet there where the wraith um you know it, it it offered many different storytelling opportunities right right and the way they explained that out too if i recall right was was rather interesting where there hasn't been a civilization that was able to achieve past that we'll say world war ii era technolo- technology because every time they just didn't have the time to do it before the next calling from the Wraith came right, and really ruined any advancement or technology they had. Yes. The Wraith kept everybody at a certain technological level. Um, they'd have to rebuild, get called and then rebuild. And so it was, uh, um, there's a few, the vicious cycle, yes, but uh, no. I this is a great show. It's too bad it only ran for five seasons, but I thought it, it's a you know a worthy successor, a, a worthy um, spinoff of uh, Stargate SG One. I thought, um, like I said, I might I might have to do a rewatch, not the whole, not from beginning to end, but maybe just rewatch some of my favorite episodes. Now, just to clarify, uh, I think that SG One and Stargate Atlantis ran concurrently for a couple years, right? Yes, yeah. and, and sometimes there'd be crossovers too, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Tilk would make an appearance. Um, uh, Jackson made an appearance. Um, they had one where SG One, when it was with. Uh, um, the guy that took over from Neil, his character, Mitchell. Mitch, when Mitchell and you know right. the SG team traveled to Atlantis, um, so yeah, there, there was a time that you had some of that. Right, right. Awesome. Well, good. I think we did. We dissected the show pretty well. Any other comments about it? Any other thoughts about it? I went looking for a for a list of how best to watch the Starsgate. Um, and I'm curious, uh, and it kind of shows the overlaps of where you should watch them together. Um, but I, I'd never heard of uh, uh, 
Stargate SG-1, Children of the Gods, Final Cut. Was that just a one-off movie? That's the premiere. Yeah, that's, that's the, the premiere of SG-1. Okay, gotcha. Um, and the, but- fi- the final cut is the unedited cut that was released, uh, I believe, on Showtime when it first aired there. Mm-hmm. Is that... Did- what did they cut out? Nudity, mostly. Full frontal nudity, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, okay. I can see that not airing on regular television. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but have you guys seen all of the Stars Gates all the way through? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. When it when it was actually on television or like in the Netflix world? I watched Netflix. I watched it when it was on television. I came into Stargate probably the first two or three seasons it aired before I got into it. And then it was, then I watched the rest live. Wow. DVD world pre-streaming. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Netflix, uh, Netflix on demand, right? Get the disc in the mail. I just went out and bought them. Nice. That was back when I had money. Dude, that is some serious commitment. Yeah. Well, eBay was a great thing at the time. <laughs> yeah. Netflix for me. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, I think we did a nice job talking about this show. Um, our, is our is our next pilot? Is it going to be Universe? Are we going to f- complete this series now that we talked about SG One, the pilot, and we talked about this pilot? I, I would be open to. Yeah. Are we going to do another? We, we, we can totally do another pilot all together. Uh, you know, we, we don't have to decide that now. No, we don't. That's fine. And too bad uh, Chrissy dropped out and was unable to join us. Her internet was uh, a bit bizarre tonight. So, no, that sucks too. That really, when you're trying to get stuff done and it just doesn't want to play nice. It's true. It's true. Well, it was great chatting with each one of you tonight. And thank you for those of you listening for joining us on this discussion and rewatch of Stargate Atlantis on our sci fi pilot show. Um, we will uh, be back in uh, two, three weeks with our next episode. And, um, and then uh, we'll hopefully let you know, well, we'll let you know at that point what pilot we're going to do next our movie or whatever we don't have to do. I know we did pilots, but we can do uh, a rewatch of a movie too, if we want as well. Um, maybe we can all have a, uh, maybe we can do a, a widow, a black widow rewatch or just a talking of black widow. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. So me neither, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. I'm more than willing. Yeah. Yeah. Twist my arm. Oh yeah. Honey, I got to watch this because of the show. Right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's right. But all right. Well, hey, it's good chatting with each one of you. Uh Miles, why don't you go ahead and uh lead us out of the show here? All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. And go boldly. <laughs> <laughs>